Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas, Alan and Matt. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, mate. Merry Christmas, David. Once again, amazing to be here to talk about some serious Scottish rugby. Yeah, feeling pretty hungover, but managed to get in both Opal and Shanghai last night. So, yeah, great to be back post the Christmas break. It was great. The Thistle Rugby Social last night. Yeah, it was uh, really great. Matt, you look like you're um, struggling a bit today. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, I mean, how can you recover from scenes like uh, Jim Hamilton doing the whale, uh, Scott Lawson chain smoking, Benson Hedges outside? I mean... It really, for an inaugural social, I think it really was one of the best nights I've ever had. It was great for the big names to turn out. Um, thanks again for coming along, guys. Um, you can follow us, of course, on the ACAST podcast app and on iTunes and also on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. And if you are listening to us on iTunes and you like what we're doing, get on there, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Much like our friend Stuart Eden did over the Christmas break. Now, he said... For a guy who's watched Lenin at Megatland, Hastings at Myerside, Logan play for Stirling County, David Soul play for Edinburgh Ackies, and Chalmers play for Melrose, it takes a lot to say that this is real Scottish rugby entertainment. Wow. What do you think about that, guys? I mean, that is incredible. He, he did miss out um, our very own Alan Little at University Park, but yeah, that is high praise indeed. Thanks very much <laughs> for the review. Well, there are a lot of scenes there. Um, We've got our three Thistle issues um, of the week after, obviously, 1872. So our first one is, what did we learn from the first leg of the 1872 Cup? Then we're going to get into, have a look at how the Scots playing outside of Scotland have been getting on. And then, as number three, we're going to be getting into our review of the year and handing out the coveted Thistle Rugby Awards 
for player of the year, newcomer of the year, game of the year, and try of the year. Now, lads, before we get stuck in, you indulge me a little bit. My, um, my Christmas sack is positively brimming with um, a little bit of gossip and intrigue that I've picked up over the Christmas period, chatting to some contacts of mine. Um, the first bit concerning um, Gregor Townsend um, becoming the Scotland coach. Now, a lot of the way this has been reported, it seemed that he, it was all to do with sort of Dave Rennie coming into Glasgow and um, Townsend um, being rewarded for his good um, service. Now, our source is a good guy. He seems to know, um, I do know that he has um, detailed knowledge of the way the, the negotiations went. He said that Townsend tabled a bit of an ultimatum for the SRU, knowing that he had a gig sorted in the premiership um, and the SRU were happy to oblige um, and give him the Scotland job. So that gives a little bit of context into the change. What do you guys reckon uh, Reckon to that? Yeah, it, it's relatively interesting. Um, I think... I don't think it's any surprise that a lot of the Premiership teams were looking at Townsend. I think what he's done at Glasgow and the fact that there probably is about three or four teams, probably the Northampton Saints, the Tigers, looking yep. for a coach, look, probably looking at what options they have. Um, it's just interesting that they felt that they had to get in Townsend now and didn't think they could give him another few years down south and then bring him back post the 27th. 2019 World Cup. Yeah, well, that that's my initial reaction to it. Is that I think it would if it, if he knew he had a job there, the SRU could have come to an agreement with him and say it's good for you to go and get this experience outside of the Pro 12, outside of Scotland, and then come back and we'll give you a shot. Because it seems to me that all of the work that Vern Cotter has done to this stage is now beginning to bear fruit, and our autumn international performances were so markedly different. And now we're going to be changing it up again after the Six Nations. Matt, what do you reckon? Yeah, I find it really odd for the same reasons. Um, you'd think that, as you say, the SRU could say to him, look, we'll have you in a few years' time, um, but keeping Vern Cotters for the overall good of Scottish rugby. And you'd think that someone like Gregor Townsend, who has been through the system himself, had you know numerous caps, would, would understand that. Um, but maybe it's just a, a sign of what he's like as an individual. He's really ambitious. He wants to get on and... You know what, maybe he thinks that um, he could do a better job than Vern Cotter and maybe a, a Scot should be at the, the, the helm of the top yeah. job. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad, a bad thing. I think Townsend is the outstanding coach in Scotland, if not one of the outstanding coaches across the whole sort of UK and Europe. Um, I just think the manner of it is just a little bit, a little bit funny. Yeah, I think I'd actually be quite sad to see Vern go. I think. Yeah, I think, same. Um, I think he has been, has been very, very good. Um, but no, it'd be, it'd be good to see what Townsend can do. He obviously knows, especially the, sort of the Glasgow players, so well. And you know, maybe there's a case of he wants to have Hogg, Russell, Seymour all in their prime and really sort of give it a good shot going into 2019. Yeah, um, yeah, I can certainly see that. And possibly feels that post, post that it might be a little bit too late for sort of being able to do what he personally wants to do with those players. Yeah, I don't know if that because I guess as a coach you sort of develop a bond with certain players, and this is kind of something that he feels he needs to do now. Well, yeah, and it's interesting th that you mentioned Finn and um, and Alex Dunbar in particular. As we know, one of our uh, one of our many sort of sources has said that they were spotted down in France this week. Now, whether that was just a bit of a couple's holiday for them, we're not too sure, but <laughs> much more likely they were out possibly scoping out some options. I'm not sure when their contracts are up, but. Given their performances, particularly on that double header against Racing, they were the two standouts as well as Johnny Gray. They're going to be attracting offers, so um, 
that's another little tip but they're obviously um out there maybe having a look at the market yeah i mean it's absolutely no surprise you say they've been playing so well and the french league just has so much money um i just think at their state of development going to france is a bad idea you've seen you know sort of sexton go half penny go in their prime and the setup there just isn't as good the, the style of rugby is quite turgid um it seems as if the the strength and conditioning and sort of overall medical teams is, is slightly inferior and they just don't sort of look after their players as much um, because they are sort of, I suppose, commodities and, and money really is king. Um, there's maybe a few clubs that could work. Um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, maybe if he went to, I don't think there's a space for him at Toulon, but playing with those kind of guys could really bring his, his game up. Um, maybe Racing as well. Um, but apart from that, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I actually think we're going to see a lot more of this this year. I know um, that the pen retweeted something mm-hmm. something today saying that Dunbar, Bennett, and Seymour are on their final year of their contract. Yeah. I, know, I know Russell's contracted till the middle of twenty eighteen. So there's going to be a lot of big decisions, and there's a tight there is a tight budget in Scotland, and the budgets in France are getting bigger and bigger. And now that you know Scotland are beating have beaten France. Glasgow are starting to put in big shifts in Europe. Yeah, These players are going to get more and more attention. And I don't. I think, especially with Verne moving to France as well, you know, th- these players are going to be more in demand. Yeah. Well, certainly the new owner of Montpellier, he's got the biggest pockets in the whole of Europe. So it would be interesting to see if Verne does try and tap up some of the Scotland guys that he's been um, looking after for the last couple of years. It might sort of be his way of revenge as well, because it sounds as if he's pretty angry about the whole SRU sort of ditching him, as it were. You know, he was. Looking pretty settled there and ready for a long-term project. So, I don't know. Maybe he sort of gets his revenge by taking Scotland's best players over who, to Montpellier. Who knows how Machiavellian um, uh, Vern Cotter is ultimately doing? Please take the pudding, Vern. Please take the pudding. I think we can, uh, particularly after the 1872, you can have Duncan Weir. Yeah, <laughs> you can have him. Um, so that um, leads us on into talking about it. So what um, what did we learn, guys? We were all down at Murrayfield, freezing and enjoying the non-atmosphere. Um, what did we learn in that Edinburgh-Glasgow leg one of the 1872 Cup? I mean, I'd love for one of our listeners to say I was completely wrong, but I just thought the whole day was was not enjoyable at all. <laughs> I mean, okay. just from minute one, I mean, firstly, the logistics of the, of the game at Murrayfield. Um, it looks quite good on the TV because they've filled out sort of one half of the stadium, but you're you're there and it's cavernous because they don't have enough people. Make it five pound a ticket. Make it buy one get one free. Make it a family ticket for ten pounds. Just do something to fill it up. You're not going to lose money on it because you're getting enough punters in. You can spend money on drinks and food, which then takes us to the next point. Next point: there's not enough catering. Um, there's no card machines. People don't bring cash anymore. Um, so just. First off, you just sort of put in the, the atmosphere is sort of dull because of those things, I think. Um, and then you got onto the game, and that sort of fed into it that it was scrappy. Um, there was no real sort of ambition. Um, the execution was poor, and it sort of contr- it was sort of two contrasting styles of Edinburgh's sort of one out bash him up game, and Glasgow so- soaking it up and hitting back when when they could. So, yeah, I felt sort of pretty disappointed by by the whole thing. And, quite angry actually at the end of it but that's just me did alan give you his cloak of um, negativity for christmas i know it's unfortunate i am normally quite positive on this (laughs) thing but i think we've had about three or four years of this fixture and it's been the same each year so yeah you know i'm losing at the end of my tether i i think it certainly needs uh, i think the the thing that does um frustrate me is i had good seats i was up i was up in the gods but i had a really good um was in the north stand but had a really good view actually i was quite happy with it 
But it's just very, very strange. I looked to my right and there was about three people and then there was nothing. And then it's very, very strange atmosphere. I kind of felt there was an awful lot of people who were not entirely engaged with the game. It was quite sort of chatty. And um, I get it's a family day out and you're not going to get sort of diehards like us or our listeners that are going to be filling out 65,000. But I just find the whole thing of filling up half a stadium completely mad. Why not do the whole bottom ring? And then you've got the 360... um, atmosphere granted you haven't got two tiers but you still have sort of twenty five thousand around a ring and it it just yeah it's that would make the, more it's sense for tv yeah it must be for tv yeah it, it, it must be but what do they what do they <laughs> what do they get from it yeah no it, it's, it's what do edinburgh stupid. and glasgow or scottish rugby get from tricking the tv yeah no i agree <laughs> just just giving casual fans the illusion that murray field is full. Is, yeah um yeah i, I think I guess sort of the fact that the trains weren't on from Glasgow probably restricted a solid sort of probably ten to 15,000 people who might have come through. I mean, trying to drive yeah. through means you can't drink and then the buses be an absolute that is true. shambles. So I, I'm not sure why they just didn't play on the 27th because it'd be a bank holiday. Um, but yeah, I guess um, I echo all of Matt Hanney's points. And I'd say in terms of the game... Yeah, let's I talk think, about the game. I think... Just sadly, I, I don't really think we actually learned very much. We sort of a lot of points we've said before being Edinburgh's pack are sort of good and good can cut it at that level. I think actually Edinburgh's pack and Glasgow's pack were both pretty even. Yeah, I, I thought Edinburgh's back row in particular was really really strong. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Hamish Watson again stood out as probably sort of the most almost most dynamic ball carrier on the pitch. Definitely, yeah. And and then I think just Glasgow had that little bit more class and actually I felt like Glasgow didn't get out of second gear for the whole game. Yeah, I I think that's probably what tells is that Glasgow do have that sort of clutch of players which we've talked about, the ones who are getting interest from France Mm. who can change a game and I thought it really told, particularly in the back line, Edinburgh's midfield it's just got a real dearth of creativity mm. um, with like with Duncan Weir. Seems to, he's either just take or ship. He doesn't seem to come forward and engage a defence the way in fin, the way which Finn does. Um, and then you've got Phil Burley at 12, who I think he's an all right player, but he's not creative. He's a big, big lump of a man, you know, like he's not going to, to beat a man on the outside. And I just thought it was a bit mm. of a shame. And, you know, you get out to the wings and um, Blair Kinghorn didn't really get a chance today at full, uh, yesterday at fullback, but he did make that massive mistake in the first minute. These are great players and Tom Brown, 100 caps. He's a quick guy, but they don't get the ball in their hands to challenge anyone because I think that sort of 10, 12, yeah. 13 is very, very turgid. I think it's that, that styles down to, to two things. Um, the first is clearly this game plan. of, And I, and I get it, you want to get qu- good quick balls, so you, you hit it up with your forwards, but just sort of fairly not even massive guys like Ben Tullis running straight into people it just it doesn't make sense it's easy to defend um and the times that we sort of we got through um or, or sort of made ground was when guys like Cornell Dupree were just putting on a very simple sidestep um I actually think that Phil Burley is a quite creative player but having um Duncan Weir on his inside really um doesn't help things and I think it goes from there if you're 9 10 and 12 aren't sort of gelling then how can your outside backs um hope to do anything um i suppose my point in glasgow is that they stayed in second gear i totally agree but i think that's a really bad thing they they should have been going out there and saying we're going to put 40 50 points on on edinburgh you know um we, we've done the same to leicester we've we've put big points on on racing so i think it was a bit disappointing to to see that side and i, I thought hog was good but he did look sort of fairly 
disinterested at times. Yeah, he did make that one sort of trademark scintillating break, which kind of got everyone out of their seats really for the first time in the uh, in the match. And there were some really classy touches for the um, Dunbar, the third try, which was really nice. That was classic Finn going to the line, drawing two men and getting his hands free. And then a great offload from 22-year-old Brian um, I <laughs> if you, uh, you have to look him up there's no way he's 22 <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what anyone's saying but there's no way he's 22 um, and then to Sean Lamont safe as you like passes it on to Dunbar for a great score and it was that you think can I imagine the Edinburgh backline and an Edinburgh backline and forwards interlinking like that for a try and at the moment I can't no you're absolutely right and I think um, I think as you said the Glasgow players who need showed their class when they needed to, and that was the difference at the end of the day. And um, I think Glasgow can sort of hopefully push on from here. I think you're right. You would have liked to have seen a sort of a bigger perform, bigger sort of match. Sorry, match performance. But at the end of the day, they hadn't won at Murrayfield for three years. Um, it's Boxing Day. You got to just come out of there with the win and sort of push on to. I think they've now got both the Italian teams and three of the Welsh teams. So look to really sort of push on going into sort of the European games in January. It's a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice little run for them to pick up points, and they're they're going to need them. That they had kept that's kept them in touch though. They're on they're in sixth on thirty one, Scarlets on thirty two, Ulster's thirty two, and then a little bit of a jump to Leinster on thirty seven, Ospreys on forty, and Munster on forty two. But you look at Edinburgh, eleven games played, mm. only fourteen points. The only two teams below them, Treviso and Zebra. Dragons on 15 above them, but then they're a little bit adrift from Connor on 20. Like, what can Edinburgh really hope to do from now on in? Yeah, I wonder if it's sort of with with nothing really coming on online in terms of what what you can win. Um, whether you start to just blood more and more young players, I think they've got some some good guys who are there. Um, because or maybe you just concentrate on the on the European Challenge Cup entirely. Because yeah, I totally agree that the league season is completely over. So. Why, why not blood a few young guys and, and build for the future? Because that's all you can do. Really and I think there league. is. And I'd, li- I'd like to see them getting a bit active in the transfer market um, and in the summer and getting in some new creative talent in the back line. Because as we say, that pack is decent. That's a solid pack to build a platform on. But their backs at the moment just aren't firing. I don't think they're challenging defences. So I think that's something that we're going to have to look at. Yeah, and I think this is probably something we'll touch on. I just struggle to see what backs are going to come to Edinburgh because you'd like to say you'd like to think oh could you get Duncan Taylor could you get Hugh Jones you know these Scottish players that are playing at a good level get them to come to Edinburgh but in terms of their international careers they don't want to be languishing in a team that's sort of currently devoid of creativity and they're not going to be able to sort of show how good they are and I think actually they're going to really really struggle to get any sort of sort of established players in so probably this idea of blooding the youngsters now is really sort of the way to go and I think it'd be interesting to see what happens with the coaching situation I know they've sort yeah, of given this is an interesting one I know they've given Duncan Hodge sort of till the end of the year before they'll make sort of a final decision on whether he'll get the job permanently and you know as it, as it looks at the moment I'd probably say that you probably wouldn't give him probably wouldn't give him the job. I, I haven't seen a much of a shift in Edinburgh's play post sort of the Solomon years. No. And I think even by now you would have hoped to have seen sort of glimpses of um, Hodge sort of stamping his authority on, on the game. 
Well, let's well let's see. I think I'm I'm hopeful for them in the new year. I think I, I generally think just for sort of a, a refresher for the whole club. I think the move to Myerside is going to be really really great. It will give them a new, renewed sense of purpose. As you say, they're, you know, they're they're playing for whatever they can get at the moment. I think that's nice. They don't lose a huge number of players to the Scotland squad during the Six Nations. Um, so I think they can make up quite a lot of um a lot of ground. And as you say, use that as an opportunity to blood these players um for next year um so yeah i think is that to to the end of the 1872 i think they, they've pushed the the second leg haven't they it's later in the year they usually do it on new year's day but it's now later on isn't it yeah it's one of the last games i think it's like uh, round 22 so we summing up by saying we've learned nothing and I think the it, atmosphere was rubbed and we had a bad time of the game. Is that basically well, our summation of, I, I, of the I have, I have of a Boxing positive. Day? I have a positive. It was good to see um, Caledonia Best on um, on servings. And I actually had a couple of bottles of Caledonia IPA, which I think is a new offering from them, which I quite enjoyed. They really do produce a great beverage. They do. It's a great. It's great. Great to see that being the official drink of Scottish rugby. Um, yeah, I think it probably just reinforced our beliefs that yeah. Glasgow are quite good and Edinburgh are not that good and are hopefully <laughs> going to get a bit better. So if you'd like to, if you have a difference of opinion and you'd like to force us out of our own official pod echo chamber, please, please do, yeah, contact please. us on Twitter. More than happy to Absolutely. probably disagree with what you say. <laughs> At Thistle Rugby Pod, get in touch, guys. Um, right, so we're now going to go ahead to our first of our two Christmas quizzes. Um, this is going to be Matt's Scottish Rugby Quiz, and then we've got a very, very special segment from Alan coming up later. Um, but Matt, do you want to fire away? Yeah, of course. Um, once again, don't say we're not good to you. It's 3-0 in the quiz, am I right? It's 3-0 to Alan. But yeah. who knows how long this is going to go on for us. There's plenty of time to, to, <laughs> to claw it back. Um, so without further ado, the first, first sort of cluster of questions is name the club that each of these players were signed from before they joined their respective pro clubs. Okay. So first of all, Henry Pergos. Where did he come from before he became a, a long-time Glasgow stalwart? Got that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've got that one. Second of all, Rory Clegg, the, the Glasgow backup standoff now, the Ginger Ninja. I know his last two clubs. So I'm sort of He's had quite a few clubs. He's had quite an interesting career, actually. Um, yeah. And then uh, the third one, Alistair Dickinson on his return to, to Edinburgh. So he started off at Edinburgh and he's now, now back, back home. So see what you get for that. There's one that I'm struggling with. with it. So He's I had quite an interesting career as well. A middling um, English premiership side. <laughs> I think you're on the right tracks. You're on the right tracks. Um, okay. So, Alan, have you got this? Yeah, I think I'm similar to you. I've got two clubs for Clegg, and then I think I've got the other two. So I think I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. Okay, good. Good stuff. Good to right. hear. So moving on, a little Edinburgh and Glasgow double here. Um, so we're going to go the most caps for Edinburgh. And the most tries for Edinburgh. And then going to do the same for Glasgow. So most cats for Glasgow, most tries for Glasgow. And that's sort of in the professional era. Okay. Um, so a couple of them are probably a lot more recent than you think. They've not been around for very long. Yeah, they don't have any history so. or anything. So. I'm trying to think of the Glasgow caps. A lot of contenders for that. He's an absolute doozy. I mean, the guy is, he's had a lot of Scotland caps as well, which I don't think are warranted, but that's maybe up for debate. Hmm. Well, okay. I yep. Think I've and got then this. a little um, 
historical number for you out there. Um, the three founder clubs of the SRU way back in the 19th century. Are we just doing one point for this one? Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. I think Alan has them all, so only wants one point. Um, but we'll see, how, we'll see how Dave does in it. We'll see how close it is. Yeah, we'll see how close it is and give him a few mercy points. So there it is. Um, wow. That's a good, it's a good question. It's one of my favorite ones so far, actually, if I do say so myself. Enjoy that. Yeah. So we got some answers It was a shame that you didn't speak to your family on Christmas Day when you were coming up with that, but, you know, (laughs) you do it for the pod. Commitment to the pod, exactly. Um, Okay, I'm ready to go because I don't think I'm going to get... Okay. just a punt on the the three. Um, So, Henry Pergos, where did he come from way back? Loughborough students. Yeah, got the same. Loughborough is correct. Pretty amazing. Straight from um, university, albeit a good standard, probably better standard club nas- teams to national national one aren't they yeah yeah, yeah i think he sort of was there when they got promoted quite a few times and everything Fair play. um so there you go uh rory clegg what have we got there quins quins from dave falcons it is falcons oh it's look that's, un- s- that's unlucky though you, i've actually scratched out newcastle you have falcons. you have I'm so he that, that was so frustrating that was off the back of his second stint at newcastle so originally newcastle Quinn's I remember he was at he Newcastle. was at Newcastle when I was at university. Yeah, he was the sort he was a real up and comer. And yeah, then he went away having obviously not reached potential. And, and he also he continues to do that. He also played a rogue season at Oyonna in the French Did top he? fourteen. Yeah, as a sort of emergency injury cover player. So interesting. Well, there wh- you go. Where will he end up next? I know. Um, mercenary. And then um, Alistair Dickinson. Where do what do we get for him? I had him hanging out with Steve Diamond in the northwest. So at Sail Sharks, yeah. <laughs> I had I had Sail Sharks as well. Good answers, guys. Oh. There's Sail Sharks. I can't believe I'm going to lose it again. <laughs> so he went from Edinburgh originally to Gloucester, and then he moved to Sail, okay. and then back to Edinburgh. Very very good. Um, so the most caps for Edinburgh ever. What do we get? Uh, Chris Patterson. Chris Patterson. David, what did you have? Chunk. Oh, Chunk. He's the one yes. that takes it. What a oh. boy. What a boy. Right. I've drawn back level. I'm quite happy with that. Preston Lodge legend. <laughs> um, and then most tries for Edinburgh ever. Tim Boy Viss. Tim Boy. Tim Boy is correct. Viss, yes. as he's known. Um, well done, Viss. Yeah, a lot Scoring of tries in not bag. very many games. Great strike rate. Um, bags of tries. Yeah, he really did. Well. Um, and then most caps for the Warriors for Glasgow. I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but Al Kellogg. I had both Al Kellogg and Big Doogie Hall. <laughs> Doogie so I'm, Hall. I'm chucking Doogie Hall into the mix. I, they're both good guesses, and I'm sure they're up there, but it is our man, Graham Morrison. Is it Graham Morrison? He's had the most caps ever, yeah. Only how, one club man. How many? I, mean, uh, I do have the exact figure here, but Wikipedia speaking reliably of, tells me that... Speaking of strike rates, his must be awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's definitely not top try scorer, so you don't have to worry about that. Um so, and then most tries, what do we got for that? DTH, Fandom Over. I actually thought DTH, it might be DTH, but I had to go for my hero, Sean Lamont. <laughs> it, it, couldn't, it couldn't be anyone else. I mean, Sean Lamont played for quite a few other clubs, and, and if he played at Glasgow's whole career, oh, oh boy, would he be up there. But it is DTH, Fandom Over. Yeah, well done, David. This is unbelievable. This is quite a good little quiz now, actually. Wait, so how many are you sitting on? Why isn't, are we giving point for each chunk and viscer and DTH? Yeah, so yeah. So one, two, three, four. I'm on five. I'm on four. Oh, my oh word. Nice. So this is... <laughs> so, I, well, I reckon in that case that we need to give... 
Oh no, that'll stack it in your favor. One point still for this one. Should we should we have a quick thing about decider? I'm yeah, sure. a little decider. Um, well, I will come up with a quick one. Just give me one second. This is uh, so go through the three founder clubs then. Well, I got Murrayfield Wanderers. <laughs> they're, okay. They're Murrayfield. I don't know. Okay. And then I wrote down Hoik, and then I uh, didn't write any anything else. So <laughs> I don't think I've done very well. Hoik. So I've got St Andrews University, Edinburgh University, Edinburgh Aquis. That is correct, Alan. Well uh, done. I mean, right. you didn't know that considering you used to play for one of the founding clubs. Um, so that enough. is correct. So you're both on five then? We're both on five. So here we go. I've come up with a very quick. Um, so for when Edinburgh made the long way to move to Meyerside, what will be the capacity with the temporary stands in tow? Ooh. What do we got? Closest to the figure, as in the past. What have you got, Alan? All right, I'll go first. I'm going to go for 8,000. Dave, what do you got? 7,500. Dave takes the quiz. Yes! It's 6,000 6, with temporary stands. That's I mean, fun. how pitiful is that? 6,000. <laughs> hey, it looks quite good. You guys will have seen that we tweeted it out today. The, the work's going on there. I was walking past there today. Um, that's fine. 6,000. I would rather... 6,000 every week no, to to totally. and 2,000 swilling around um, in the depths of Murrayfield. No, totally. And I'm delighted to get a win on the board <laughs> before the that, end of the that year. That was, you know, that was, as, a, people, Sony, as a Sony's legend, that was sort of karma coming in, wasn't it? people say that 2016's been a bad year. <laughs> really ending That's put the gloss on it. I'm delighted. Well, thanks again for that, Matt. So there we go. Oh, no worries. A pleasure. We will be returning to the always. quiz field as part of our, um, our Christmas special later on, guys. But let's get back to business. And um, Alan has been doing an awful lot of homework over Christmas, which is great. He's been having a look at all the Scottish players who are playing outside of Scotland and how they've been getting on. So, Alan, handing over to you. So, I think, actually, just specifically the Aviva Premiership. So yeah, okay. So, at the moment, we've actually got over 20 eligible Scottish players playing in the Aviva Premiership, which I think, when you think back to sort of five, six years ago, seems a lot more than we we sort of we would have had, uh, just in terms of Scottish players plying their trade. Maybe yeah. Just one club that doesn't have. There's only one club that doesn't have a Scottish international. Oh, this is good. Who do you, who do you think it is? I mean, I saw it on your laptop. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, can I say that I think it might be Worcester? No, mate. Tom Heathcote. Oh Christ! <laughs> Come on. Pivot extraordinaire. Tom. Uh, okay. Well, fair play. So, yeah, no, so uh, Leicester Tigers. Leicester are Tigers. The only team. So you've got Newcastle, we've got, I think it's six players mm. now um, playing for them. Saracens have got Hamilton, Maitland, Duncan Taylor, and Kelly Brown, who I think is still playing. Yeah, he, he was playing the other week, actually. I think there's been a, a few injuries. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, but him and Hamilton are best mates, and they're called they call themselves Bramilton, and they sort of walk around together and and hang out. And but I think Kelly Brown's coaching the academy team as well, so he might be there for a bit, sort of as a coach and a sort of you know backup bit part player. Was there not rumours sort of going around that the pair of them were off to London Irish next year? Um, definitely Hamilton. I've heard. I've not heard Kelly mm. Brown. So well, maybe Kelly's maybe you have it. another. Um, it wouldn't be like me to be off message. So, <laughs> so but you definitely <laughs> Hamilton. But London Irish, by all by the looks of it, are going to be in the Premiership next year. So, you know, possibly in, in, they need some know, old, need some old heads. Yeah, old exactly. Heads, fair play. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. So if you look at the Falcons, who have really actually played very well this year, and they've done that with Scott Lawson, John Welsh, and Ali Hogg playing sort of the majority of their games, yeah. not sort of sort of glamorous and players in Scottish rugby, but. And they've also got Scott McLeod in the the coaching staff. They've got a real sort of Scottish um, oh, that's th- good, yeah. theme down there. Um, and I think for some of the players, I think making a move down has been really, really good for their career. I think Sean Maitland would say is is sort of really coming back to the form he had when he first sort of moved across. He's brilliant. Yeah. Tim Visser is still like you know doing great hit rate for Harlequins. And I know a player that you know I really really like, and he sort of. I think at the end of his Edinburgh career, he sort of lost a bit of form in comparison to when Edinburgh made that great run um, to the semi-finals of the Hunting Cup. But Matt Scott's really been playing well for Scoring Gloucester. Scoring tries for fun, isn't he? Yeah, and he's been playing really, really, really well. And I know, sort of speaking to a few people that are Gloucester fans, I think they've been relatively surprised that he hasn't been managed to get in the Scotland squad. Yeah, I mean that is we talked about it last week, but that is probably the most congested area of the of the Scotland squad. There's a huge amount of talent there, but on his showings in the Premiership alone, mm. I think he should be getting a bit of a nod. Maybe Vern just doesn't like him. Well, we talked about it as well when we we're talking about Bennett and Jones. And if you say, right, you are my thirteens, then I think that opens up a spot for yep. for Scott because I think in terms of just pure twelves, I think he Scott played quite a lot at Edinburgh in his last season at thirteen, which I just think was the wrong decision. Mm. He's a twelve, so if you've got a kind of specialist guy in there, then there maybe is, is room for him. Yeah. There's a couple of nice youngsters coming through in England as well. We know Adam Hastings is getting game time down in Bath, um, usually in the sort of the Anglo-Welsh Cup or sort of off the bench and things like that. But it was Priestland's, Priestland's now injured sort mm-hmm. of long term and Ford's future is very sort of um, famously up in the yeah. air. So really good opportunity for Adam Hastings down there and is it Hutchison who's playing getting lots of minutes for yeah, Northampton yeah sort of I think standoff and I think uh, sorry inside centre but he's played standoff as well for sort of Scotland age groups um, Scottish exile boy coming through and yep. he's looked pretty handy when he's played um, and once again Northampton aren't going through the sort of best season so it, they, they might he might get a quite a bit of game time as a, as a result so yeah he looks pretty promising player yeah it's, it's really good yeah and I think when we were sort of talking about um, Glasgow earlier in terms of what they're going to have to lose some established players yeah. this year in terms of just going to have to, making yeah. the salary. If they're wanting to pay players like Stuart Hogg, you know, plus 350k, yeah. uh, there's other players like like Finn Russell who are going to be needing to get sort of a massive uh, jump, in, jump in their wages. So they're going to have to send some players down, possibly Definitely, down yeah. south of Willow to France. 
And I think it's really just about working out what players you can do without, but actually will sort of continue to develop down south. And I think we have seen that with Sean Maitland. I don't think Glasgow have actually really lost very much by losing Sean Maitland. I'd say DTH was probably a much bigger loss yeah, definitely. than Sean Maitland. Um, but he's actually almost managed to sort of reinvigorate his career. And it's sort of that, that sort of balance between, again, also sort of the national squads and what's best for Glasgow. And I think they've done well so far, but I think probably this year with Glasgow could be a really yeah. tough time. There's a huge number of contracts coming up, and I think it's going to take an awful lot of really good and sort of forward-thinking strategic management from the SRU mm-hmm. and the clubs to think, okay, who can we get a lot of money for? And who have we got to coming coming through that we want to fill those... Um, mm-hmm those gaps and I don't know about you do you guys trust the SRU to preside over that efficiently I don't know I think like if you look at some of the players that Glasgow have signed like someone like Tommy Seymour when he first came he was like a bit part player Ulster and he sort of turned up as quite a kind of small skinny fairly fast guy and he didn't really make his mark for a few years and now he's sort of one of the yeah the premier wings in the northern hemisphere so maybe we should give them some sort of credit um and even Russell was sort of wasn't much of a fantasy player when he's sort of coming up through the ranks. So possibly um, it's difficult when you're not on a level playing field in terms of all the the funding. Um, and often, as we say, it is quite a good thing for these guys to to go abroad. But I think they do quite a ju- good job considering their resources. Yeah. I think so. What about uh, obviously he's not playing in England? But where? How's Richie Gray getting on? Anyone know? <laughs> does it, honestly, does anyone keep does anyone keep tabs on Richie Gray? I I sometimes look to see if he's playing, yeah, yeah. and he is playing. He is playing. Well, that's fair enough. And then. Toulouse continue to win their games at home, and a lot of the time lose their games away. So wow, he seems to be yeah. fitting in quite nicely he seems and to be doing fine. <laughs> sort of following the French trend. Oh, that's um, quite good. Yeah, it's always a bit hard hard with those ones. You sort of just have to make an assumption that he if you. If you're good enough to start for Toulouse, that's enough to... I'll give you a, a free pass straight into the Scotland squad. And yeah. then I'll have a look at you once you're home. That would be my uh, the way I'd manage it. Is Strokosh still playing for Perpignan? I, I don't actually know. I haven't heard of him retiring. So um, I think him and uh, Big Craig Smith, a.k.a. Santa, um, <laughs> Stuma legend, is playing sort of like fifth division regional rugby. So, I mean, Nick there's Toulouse. definitely a career to be had out there. Nick Deluc is playing in the second division of France as well, isn't he? Nah, mate. He's back at Wasps. Oh, he's Wasp. back at Wasps, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've made an idiot of myself there. And then Johnny Beatty's at Bayonne. Johnny Beatty's there. I think, fair enough to him. Twilight of his career. Why not enjoy it? To be honest, I've been following him on Instagram and it looks like he's been having a glorious Christmas down in the South Coast. <laughs> so, I'm massively jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair I think enough. My one last point on the sort of Scottish players down in England is if Worcester want to continue paying Tom Heathcote to play rugby, I think that's a benefit for the SOU budget. Cause that's fine, yeah. I'm really glad that's not coming out of that. But one one serious point that we did, um, R- uh, Rui Jackson's now back from injury and he's getting a little bit of a run of games down at Harlequins, played yesterday in their win against Gloucester. He looked look pretty good. Yeah, I think um, if he's on good form, I would rather have him in than Duncan Weir. But as it depends the, as on the backup, how, as the backup, as backup 10, thing, sorry, yeah. the backup 10. And also Jackson can play fullback at a push at a, at a fairly decent clip. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him playing well and sort of being in the mix, but I, there's no way he's pushing Finn. No, no way he's pushing Finn, but I'd like to see him, if he gets a lot of game time, I'd like to see him sort of edging his way back into the squad as that understudy role, because I think he offers much more than Duncan Weir. Yeah, I think the issue with Rui Jackson um, is when he's behind a pack that's moving forward and he's on form, yeah. he can actually be one of the 
one of the best fly halves in sort of the UK. Oh, steady on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he's I think he's pretty good when he's on the front foot. I, I just I think he's the sort of player that you just when it's when it's when he's on the back foot, when maybe conditions aren't perfect, yeah. when he maybe makes a mistake, can drop his head. He's, he's and you know playing for Scotland, that's. <laughs> Going to ha- it's going to happen a lot. You need someone that's yeah. going to be able to that's, that's work in the shit. That's so what I often think about Maitland as well. Is if you look at where Maitland's been really, really successful, so you take the Crusaders and Saracens, that is when he is playing behind winning world-class teams mm. and he is there to be quick and finish. I like Maitland, but I don't think he has ever really had a good game for Scotland. No, I think you're completely right. And if you compare him to someone like Seymour... Seymour's yeah. just he's he's got a lot of the sort of s- skills like being a finisher and he's got the speed, but he's also just like a worker. He likes the fight. Yeah, he loves the work. Yeah. And I think when you yeah you say when you c- get for Scotland, you're not going to get that front foot ball. You're not going to get loads of space all the time, and you really need to have you might need to have yeah. that to sort of perform at your True. your best. I do think it could be Maitland could be an option for the Lions though because Gatland showing that he's showing that he likes him. If he continues to score loads of tries and Saracens go on to maybe do the double again, he's going to be in that sort of top crop of wingers of, that are sort of being considered, you think? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that Gatland's the kind of coach that doesn't like to experiment too much. He goes to the tried and trusted and Maitland did a pretty good job in the last tour. So if we get a bit of Scottish representation, then I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be quite good. So yeah, the, I, I'd be interested. I'm going to be really interested to see the um, the Six Nations squad. See if any more of those England players, particularly maybe Matt Scott, comes back in um, and get themselves a chance in um, February and March. Good stuff. Right. Well, now we are going on to a very special second quiz of the week. Now this is a very sort of unique insight into how Alan Little's brain works. Um, Alan, <laughs> do you want to tell us about the game we're about to play? I mean, this this could be one of the worst quizzes of all time. <laughs> I think it's good. No, I think it's good. Come on. So, for all you Scottish rugby and Harry Potter fans, you've got we, one sitting right here. We have um, we have a we have a quiz where we have we're going to say a name and you have to guess whether it is <laughs> a Harry Potter character or if it is an ex Scottish rugby player. Is it? <laughs> Oh, okay. fine. I, I, that sounds, sounds very good. I'm right. Excited. I'm excited about this. Right. Let's see how this goes. Right, um, I apologize for the cheesiness of some of the comments I'm about to make. <laughs> Did Bulldog Irvin <laughs> a defend against the dark arts or defend against the English backline? <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> Bulldog Irvin. Bulldog Irvin. I think I recognise that name, but I generally don't know it's from Scottish <laughs> rugby history or from Harry Potter. Well, wow. there what, you go. What a quiz this is. Right, Bulldog Irvin. Are we going to do... Should we do, go through all of them or do you want to go one at a time? So I'm going to have five. Let's just go through all and then go we'll on come then. back. Go then. All right, so I'll go, quit. Number two. Did Dougald McCulvert <laughs> play rugby with Lewis Moody? Or fight Voldemort with Matt Irvin. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, okay. Um, what did you say his name was? Dougald. Dougald McIlvert. Dougald McIlvert. Right. Num- right. Num- number number three. <laughs> did Eunice Murray catch the golden snitch 
or catch rubber balls at Golden Acre. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is quite good. Are you sure? Did you get a license of J.K. Rowling to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a big Scottish rugby fan. We that should is let her true. know about this. She, maybe, she'll, maybe she'll write a book. We'll send her a tweet to her later. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, sorry, say that guy's name again. <laughs> um, Eunice Murray. Eunice Murray. Oh, Christ. Um. All right. <laughs> Number four. Did Puss Milroy <laughs> um, ride a broomstick with Nephodro Tonks? How do you pronounce the name? Nymphodora. <laughs> Nymphodora Tonks. Or play rugby in Jersey with Greg Tonks. <laughs> with Greg Tonks. <laughs> Right, so what was the name? Puss? Puss Milroy. Puss Milroy. How, how do you spell Puss? P-U-S-S. That was his nickname. I, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I think we, you, can only spe- you can only speculate. <laughs> All right, and, num- and number right, five. Hold it, hold it together, Alan, last one. Number five. Did Curly McCormick um, pass a rugby ball to Stuart Hogg or drink pints in the Hogg's Head Inn? <laughs> Um, I think these are. I I like. I, to I have no idea for any of them. They're all so hard. They all sound believable for each. This is it's, it, this okay. is an amazing. Quote. I I pride myself on knowing Harry Potter quite well, and I've got absolutely no idea. Right. So number one, Bulldog Irvin. What have you got? I've gone for Scottish rugby player. I've gone for Scottish rugby player as well. The Edinburgh Ackies and thirteen yes. cap legend from the late nineteenth century, Bulldog Irvin. <laughs> How many caps? 19? 13. 13. Well done. From the thistle to the bulldog. Well done. Well done, guys. Uh, number two, Dougald McCulvert. Harry Potter or Scottish rugby? I, I've gone Harry Potter for this one. But I I went, I'm, I'm not sure. I went Harry Potter as well. Dougald McCulvert, head of the McCulvert clan, a clan of wizards that lived in the island oh. of Drear. <laughs> Great stuff. This is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Right. So number three was Eunice Murray. Is he hanging out in the Great Hall or hanging out at University Park? <laughs> Sorry, that's so rubbish. You could have gone. You could have gone with Dougie Hall. Doug, that is true. That you, right, come Sorry, on. Sorry, apologies. Work Back on your pattern. Um, Eunice Murray. I went. I went Scottish rugby player. I've gone Harry Potter. He was the seeker for the Montrose Magpies. <laughs> They're one of the best teams going as well. They are pretty top notch. <laughs> um, number four, Puss Milroy. I, I've gone for Harry Potter. I went Harry Potter as well. Oh, mate, what Sonian's oh, no, 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 rugby no. legend? I went. I went Scottish rugby. Sorry, sorry. I went Scottish rugby. Yeah. What Sonian's Scottish legend and so and twelve cap Scotland legend? So oh. what, what numbers have we got there? I've won, I think. I've got four. Uh, an unassailable lead, 4-2, as we stand. Easy. There we go. Final one, then. So last one <laughs> was uh, Curly McCormick. What did we have? I've gone HP, but it, it could be any. I've gone Scotland. I kind of did a sort of Scotland High Potter, Scotland High Potter, Scotland High Potter sort of vibe. So Matt has five out of five. Oh. Uh, Curly McCormick is the lead guitarist in the Weird Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right, well... They, ba- they love a gig at um, uh, Hogwarts, to be fair. I am... Um, <laughs> I forgot what Hogwarts was. was a I am... Uh, well, that's me. I'm now back to my losing ways in the quiz. Alan, that was, that was brilliant. Yeah. 
I hope let's let's, I, let's speak to J.K. Rowling about that. I think there's a yeah. lot of potential in that. Yeah, yeah no, and um, wow, it's it's amazing um, how much downtime you have at work during the Christmas period. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. Rupert Murdoch will come to get you. Yeah, exactly. Dangerous <laughs> times. <laughs> well, right, that was great, and I hope you guys have enjoyed um, our two Christmas quizzes. Um, we will probably return to just having one or none in the new year, but let us know. Harry Potter character or Scotland rugby player. That was brilliant. Well done. Um, right, so back to the serious business of Scottish rugby. How about a bit of rev- a review of the year? Um, we're going to hand out a wee, have a, a few awards. Um, I put out um, a question to you guys on Twitter earlier today, and we asked for your best Scotland, Glasgow, or Edinburgh rugby moments. Um, which was actually really great. You guys were brilliant at coming back and reminded me of a few things that possibly I'd forgotten. Um, our friend of the pod, Alistair Hamilton, reminded us of Duncan Taylor's try versus France. How good? Very good. Very, very, <laughs> very good. Um, Charlie Balfour, um, the Scotland Sevens team winning uh, the Sevens down at Twickenham. That was unbel- absolutely unbelievable. I don't think anyone was um, backing them for a win, but sort of beat South Africa in the semi, uh, sorry, in England in the semi, and then, um, yeah, South Africa in the final, um, Scott Scott White doing a little sort of um, dodgy short restart to win it back, and yeah. last-minute try for our old mate Dougie Fife. That was absolutely unbelievable. So that, yeah. was a gr- that was a great one. This one I quite like. This is from um, John Lang, who's pretty active on Twitter. Hi, John, how you doing? Um, you said, Scotland, France game in the Six Nations, fair enough. Glasgow, the two racing Metro games, fair enough. Edinburgh, no highlights at all, <laughs> <laughs> which I quite like. I think I think he must be a Glasgow Warriors fan. I mean, possibly not. You could be an Edinburgh <laughs> fan and still probably come back with that. Yeah, you probably good could. run in the Champions Cup though. So yeah, Challenge Cup in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, or was that the year before? That was the year before, was it not? I'll take that back. <laughs> Apologize. I, mean, um, I thought someone else tweeted a thing and said when they beat Quins in that sort of thirty-six, thirty-five filler that was thriller. Really- that was sort of. Seems there's some green shoots and signs of potential, so maybe that. That could was be the begin- That was the very beginning of the Hodge era, wasn't it? That seemed like a really great um, thing. Sam Rogers on Twitter said the racing wins as well. Um, Leslie Shaw chucked in the Leicester win for Glasgow the, in the first mm-hmm. match of the the Heineken Cup. That was brilliant. Um, and then <laughs> friend of the pod Addy, Abby Patterson um, said when we beat Australia brackets. Although I only watched the first seventy-seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was quite good. Really good insight into a Scottish rugby fan's mind. <laughs> I think if we looked at that, we'd be in, we'd be a very good side. That's fair. No, I think actually, looking at the Scotland team, that win against France mm. has to be. I know obviously we just missed out in Australia, but that um, being France at home, I think actually moving to the Six Nations this year, I feel like that's we we really need. We I think we really need that to develop as a team. Yeah, and it just. It, that little bit of class from Stuart Hogg, the sort of the over the head, um, no look mm. pass to Visser was just yeah. just class and the sort of moment that we don't enjoy very often. Exactly. I just thought the best thing about the France match was that France was so poor at the time, we were probably expected to win, but we're not very good in that situation, but we still managed to get the win. So exactly. mentally, it was, it was really that good was as really well. That was really good. Well, let's, thanks for those guys. As we say, at Thistle Rugby Pod, we absolutely love hearing from you on Twitter. So let me kick this one to you guys, Matt and Alan. Um, player of the year nominations 
Well, I think Johnny Gray's got to be up there. We've we've la- waxed lyrical about him on the, the podcast so far. His um his work rate, his his tackling stats, um and things like his passing actually. He's he's actually I think added a bit of guile to his game. Absolutely. Um and his leadership, you know, he's co-captain at Glasgow and I think he sort of performs a big leadership role um for Scotland as well even though he's obviously not the official captain. Um so he's got to be up there. I've also put down Hogg who's consistently good. And um, Hugh Jones, who I think, you know, despite sort of having not too many caps, has, has done really well. Yeah, well, maybe come back to Hugh Jones in the newcomer category. I think Johnny Gray, Hogg. Um, yeah, I actually think um, Hamish Watson, again, probably in the newcomer category as well. But his performances in the Scotland jersey, really, really, really impressive. Yeah, I, I think um, Tommy Seymour is, yeah. sorry, he's kind of obviously just continuing on form, but started the season really well. Obviously, he's had a few sort of niggly injuries, but he's he's just a world-class winger. He is. And he is consistently a world-class winger. And I know we won't go into it now, but I generally think he would do a great job on the Lions. Yeah. And he just hardly ever puts in a bad shift. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And so I think uh, if we're going to go for sort of back of the year in terms of consistency, I'd probably maybe go yeah. for Tommy Seymour just beating Sean Lamont. Sean Lamont, obviously. <laughs> I'd say we didn't mention Finn Russell as well. I yeah, thought, definitely. Um, particularly in the club stuff, has really matured and come on to a really good game. Um, and people are talking about him as a Lions candidate and just talking about him as a, you know, a getting towards that world-class category, which we haven't had in the standoff for so many years. So many years. But I think we can all, all agree, Johnny Gray, player of the year, club and country. Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. He has just been an absolute stalwart for both. And it's really, really exciting having somebody like that that you can build a pack around. Because he's, he's so young as well. Yeah, agreed. Um, right, so best newcomer, I would like to put forward Ali Price. I think he has been absolutely electric, particularly for the last um, three weeks, three weeks a month. And I think mm. in that dreary 1872 Cup game, when he came on, Glasgow did pick up their game a little bit. And I think he brings so much to that side and I'm really excited about what he could bring to the Scotland team as well I think if we had newcomer of the month <laughs> I would give it to Ali Price um, but yeah n- newcomer of the year I think I'd probably go Hamish Watson I think back end of last season he was really standing out for Edinburgh again continued it on uh, now both for club and country and so I think he's going to be a real asset both in attack and defence for Scotland coming into the Six Nations. Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd second that. Um, I thought that Xander Fagerson's done really well, definitely, actually. Definitely. Um, you know, he got a bit of a baptism of fire in his first sort of proper starts, but came to a good game, did really well against Georgia, which is a real test, and he's been playing really well for Glasgow and sort of looks as if he's one of their sort of um, nailed-on starters and sort of becoming a bit more of a senior player there. So, like look of him. I thought that Dell did pretty well um, as sort of backup. Um and Bradbury, I thought when he when he played, he's been playing extremely well for for Edinburgh. Just got a new contract, which is great, and did really well on his debut for for Scotland. So um, no, things are looking pretty good for the newcomers. Yeah, I think there's loads of good stuff. And obviously, that is us not mentioning Hugh Jones. We mentioned him in possibly Player of the Year, but Hugh Jones, um, his his caps and his tries um, have been absolutely brilliant. No, definitely. Um, one thing I was just thinking about actually is if we were to do Team of the Year. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It sort of cuts me deep. We'd probably be Harriet's. Oh, I yeah. know. It's, it's, you it's, can't it's, trust a nail. It's truly awful. 
I know it's a real shame. They did win the double and completely fair play to them. Um, I mean, we could say the Stumel Cup team winning the the <laughs> cup this year. You know, that's completely unbiased, um, completely objective, a, but uh, that's an option. Um, I mean, all we know is that Glasgow are definitely winning team of the year ahead of Edinburgh. <laughs> We're covering the pro side of things, unfortunately. The pro side of things, that is the only thing we can do. Um, right, so newcomer, who should we go for? Hamish Watson, I think. He's really, really made mm. a massive impact, yeah. hasn't he? I think he surprised quite a lot of people, actually, and how well he played for, for Scotland. Yeah, he seamlessly stepped up. Yeah, he's really, definitely. really making an impact at that level. Right, um, quite a wide-open category, this one. Game of the year. Mm, it's a good one. I, I think the, the best game was when we when Glasgow sorry, beat Racing away, and I thought that um, Finn Russell played the game of his life, stepped up, um, outplayed Dan Carter... Um, I thought Ali Price played really well and it was just a really mature performance. We knew yeah. that they could sort of, they could beat um, Leicester at home um, playing sort of, um, you know, more expansive rugby, but closing down a tighter game, taking on Racing Metro um, up front, I thought that was the my favourite game of the year. Yeah, I think from an Edinburgh perspective, it would have to be the, the Harlequins win, which was a really, really great game and it showed a, a huge amount of that young talent, which we talk about so much really coming through, scoring really thrilling tries, um, and hopefully you'll see more of that. What about from an international perspective, Alan? Um, well, looking across, obviously, the Six Nations had the France and the Italy game, and then Tour, Tour in Japan was obviously won both the games, but not any sort of particularly great no. performances. So I think I think even, even though it's a loss, it probably has to be the Australia game. Um, I, yeah. think, I think in terms of, we've always said that Australia are probably up there with sort of New Zealand and England and Ireland as sort of the top four clubs. Yeah, definitely. And I think those are sort of the teams that we always really struggle against. And I think that's that's probably the game that we can take the most from this season. Yeah, definitely. As a sort of a 68 minute, 78 minute performance, it was the best that I've seen Scotland play probably in lifetime. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I thought it was a great performance. We we should have beaten them. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's quite a good thing that we can sort of move on from there and show that we can we can take on the the so called sort of superpowers. But I think maybe game of the year. I think we can maybe let's double it up and give it to Glasgow for the back to back wins um, against Racing. Yeah, because I, I think that is that. that's un, unparalleled. Unparalleled yeah. to any achievement from a Scottish club ever. Yeah. I should have thought. Although I can see Alan thinking, but maybe we'll come back to that. <laughs> well, the, the win over France in the Six Nations as well was. Oh yeah, was great. Good. From an international good. perspective, I think so. Yeah. And uh, okay, what about your favourite try of the year? There's quite a few candidates, actually, which I didn't think I'd say at the start of the year. But um, I, I really liked uh, the try that Tommy Seymour scored in the last minute against Italy in the Six Nations. Oh, um, the one to seal it. With the yeah, uh, one to seal it. We're going to win anyway. But um, once again, it was a pretty mature performance, tough game in Rome. Um, and it was just the players like Taylor and Hogg and Seymour who are just that cut above Italy, showing their class. Um, and Stuart Hogg's little out the back pass and just the, the look of elation on his face and we knew that it, it sealed the match so that that was my favorite i think from a personal perspective i was out in uh, dublin for the scotland ireland game and whilst obviously the game was and it didn't sort of end up how we all wanted it to be i think that first hog try um i might have been a little bit drunk but <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i've got that excited about a try in a long long time yeah, um, and i think it just sort of obviously highlights that game game breaking ability that 
or Hog has. So yeah. for me, that would be my sort of try of the year. I mean, my favourite was again in the Scotland Italy game. I was actually on a stag do in Rome in the stadium, and when that it was actually the first try went in. I think it was it was John Barkley that scored it um, after a great little bit of footwork from uh, Hog. And then at the mm. end of the game, knowing that we were winning, knowing that we were going out in Rome that night, that was a pretty sort of a euphoric personal yeah. rugby moment for me this year. Always on tour, mate. Always, always on tour. Always on tour. That's what we try and do. So, um, what about domestic tries? I'm um, trying to think of my. I I thought the try that um, that Blair Kinghorn scored against Holly Cummins when he burnt Nick yeah, Evans was really was nice. Awesome. Um, I thought a few of the tries that uh, Glasgow scored against Leicester were really nice as well. So length of the field, a couple of intercepts admittedly, but sort of length of the field moves. Um, and what about that one? Back to international, the over the head sort of touch on from from Hogg to Visser against France to seal yeah, that game. That was class. That was really nice. And I actually thought Hogg's try when he stepped inside Fiku as well was yeah was classy. Yeah. I mean, that's probably going to go... The, for sheer sort of like iconic moment of what is going to be played on the highlights reel of Scotland for like the next hundred <laughs> years, I would be minded to give it to the Hogg uh, Visser try against France. What do you think? No, I still think the Hogg try against Ireland. <laughs> I, I, Hogg against Ireland was something special. Yeah. Okay, well, two to one. We are a very demo- de- democratic pod over here at the Thistle. So... Congratulations to Stuart Hogg getting the uh, <laughs> coveted try of the year against um, Ireland. Right, I think we've all got um, mince pies to go off to. Yeah, I'm back in Shanghai tonight. So Back yeah. in Shanghai, the double header. Good to hear. Um, thank you very much for joining us, guys, for the, uh, the Christmas special. And um, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for the, the first few episodes we've done. Had a really good time and hope you've enjoyed it too. So look forward to more of it in the new year. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Cheers. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.